0: What if the speed of light was 30 miles an hour? What if Earth had two suns? Which serial mascot would win in a what fight? What if everyone lived underground? What if it on trees? What if, money threw what if trees? pigs could
1: fly? I
2: don't know if that would actually
1: happen. It's much easier to store even a cycle than to store a
0: horse. Hello everybody and welcome to Absurd Hypotheticals, the show we overthink dumb questions so you don't have to. I'm your host, Marcus Lehner. And I'm joined here today by Chris Yee and Ben Storms. Say hi, guys. Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Ben. Guys, we have somehow made it through 164 episodes of this show without ever actually getting down to the animal that a lot of us interact with the most out of all the animals, which is dogs. We talk about so many animals. We have not actually spent time on dogs yet.
2: We've talked about how we're like running out of animals to talk about.
0: Yeah, so... We've done a couple episodes like this. Our question today is, what if you could perfectly train dogs? Now, obviously you can train dogs already and dogs can be very well trained. We're not talking about that kind of training. It's not like you're the best dog trainer in the world. You're going to be, but you're going to be like magically kind of good at it. Basically, you can have dogs do whatever you want them to that's within a dog's capabilities. You just train them perfectly. They listen to what you want and they'll do it for you. The, the I guess the... The training method doesn't doesn't have to be realistic. They're they're just all perfectly trained pups.
2: We kind of like before we started recording, we used like Aquaman as an example. It's like Aquaman, but for dogs.
0: Dogquaman.
2: Dogquaman.
1: Dogquaman. I'm sticking with that. I've
0: committed to it. (laughs) Barquaman. Dogquaman. I think is better. Anyway, it's not. Anyway. Chris, I think I'm going to let you jump right in
2: with yours because you're, you're answering a pretty classic question for us, huh? Yes. So like Marcus said, we've already trained dogs to do a lot of things. I wanted to try to do something that's not really like we, that we haven't done before with dogs, but we uh, we have done it on the show before actually in a lightning round. It was our previous lightning round. Um, and that was what if dogs played poker? And I wanted to like actually answer this question, even though I was like, Kind of against it originally. <laughs> it, it took a long time to actually answer and put on the lightning round.
0: Yeah, a little, a little behind the scenes. I, I, I wrote down. I, I knew we had a gap about dogs. I realized that maybe I don't know eighty episodes ago, and and put it put what if dogs played poker as a kind of a placeholder
2: to do like a dog question at some point, and have caught nothing but crap for it. Since. <laughs> well, you're being vindicated now, so enjoy it. <laughs> so just to get a little into the history of like why is dogs playing poker a thing? So. Dogs Playing Poker is based on, there are 18 famous paintings by Cassius Marcellus Coolidge. The original one was in 1894. It was like an oil painting, I think. And that that was followed by 16 other oil paintings that were actually a series of cigar advertisements that were commissioned by Brown and Bigelow between the years of 1903 and 1906. Now, not all of these 16 paintings were of Dogs Playing Poker. Some of them were of like dogs reading mail or dogs like testifying in court. But the series is generally called Dogs Playing Poker. Just because that's like the the famous thing. And then after that series there's one more painting in nineteen ten of more dogs playing poker. So that's kind of where it came from and that's why why we talk about it at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's why anyone bother with the paintings. Yeah. So I want to see can we actually train them to play poker. Like, do they have the capability of playing poker in the first place if I wanted to train them to do it? Because if they if they don't have the capability, then it's pointless in training them to do it. It's an impossible task. And I didn't want to just have them play against, like, other dogs because then the bar is pretty low for how good they have to be. <laughs> uh, I wanted them to play with humans. I wanted them to, like, compete in tournaments and stuff. So the first thing is, obviously, can they physically hold the cards and, like, handle the chips and stuff. The chips, I don't think, are an issue. They can just, like, nudge it with their paw or, like, move it with their mouth or something. The cards are more of an issue because you need to have a way to look at your cards but not have anyone else see your cards, which is a little tough with paws and no thumbs. Normally, players, like, tournament players, they usually, like, keep their cards on the table and, like, bend up the upper half of their card to see it. Dogs can't really do that. They're less dexterous. In our lightning round, we kind of s- solved this a little bit, kind of where we like suggested that the dogs play on a bowl-shaped table, where the edges are curved. Oh my up. god! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then they can just slide the cards up against the edge of the table, like the the top of the bowl, and they'll be able to see their cards, and no one else will be able to see their, their cards. Since it is only our dog playing and the rest of them are humans, I'm going to modify this a little bit. We're not using a bowl-sized table or a bowl-shaped table. It's normal table, but we're going to bring, like, a mini ramp sort of thing that our dog can use to look at their cards. So that solves that problem. Next, I don't think they really need to speak because, like, you can do most things in poker non-verbally. I think you can actually do everything non-verbally.
0: Yeah, it's full. It's, like, full call and raise. You, just have, you have to put chips or your cards in the middle, right? Well, I
2: think you, like, there's, like, knocking the table with your yeah, that's hand. for checking. Oh, checking. Yeah, yeah you can yeah. check. Yeah. There's stuff like that. There's like other things you can signal to do that instead of speaking. So no issue with that with our dogs. Next thing is bluffing. Bluffing is a big part of poker. We need to be able to deceive the other players and manipulate them. So I want to see if dogs are capable of that. So there was a 2017 study where they observed the facial expressions of dogs. And they compared it to when a human was like paying attention to them or when they were turned away. And the dogs consistently exhibited more facial features when the dog was paying, when the human was paying attention to them. They also compared this to when there was like food around and when there food when there wasn't food around. And they considered the food a stimulating factor, but not a social factor, whereas the human is a social factor. And what they found was that with the food present, their facial features or their facial expressions didn't really change at all, like the frequency of them which suggests that the dogs have control over... like It's not an involuntary thing, their facial expressions. They can actively use them to communicate in social situations. So that that was sort of the outcome of that study. There was another study by some of the same people, some of them were different, two years later in 2019, where uh, they found that dogs have developed more facial muscles, so they compared them... They compared domesticated dogs to wolves, and they found that the facial muscles were very similar on both of them. And the, really, the only place that it differed was around the eyes. So, the eyes were m- more expressive in domesticated dogs. And they were able, like, domesticated dogs are able to make their eyes larger and resemble the movement of human eyes when they're sad. And this allows them to elicit caregiving responses from humans. And their hypothesis was that they sort of developed this because of domestication. Domestication requires that a human selects you. So if you look all, like, sad and doughy-eyed, then the the human is more likely to pick you. So they said that that sort of thing kind of developed over, like, the 30,000 years of domestication of dogs. So both of these studies kind of demonstrate that dogs have the ability to actively control their facial features it's not just involuntary and they use their facial features to manipulate people so that's good for poker yeah kind kind of kind of aggressive way to put it they use it to communicate
0: (laughs) with people not not manipulate well if they want to get they want food
2: they want to get (laughs) the most scientific use of the term yes they elicit a caregiving response which is manipulating kind of so they can do that uh the next thing i I wanted to look at was Will they be able to read other players, like the other players' facial expressions? That's also important. You need to be able to tell if other people are bluffing. And there was a 2016 study where they showed dogs a bunch of images of human faces and dog faces doing like different expressions, like neutral expressions, pleasant expressions, and threatening expressions. And they observed that the gazing patterns on each image, the gazing pattern is sort of like where they focus their gaze on, on the image. It differed depending on the expression of the dog or the human. So they conclude that they were able to identify emotions and like social threats. So in the case of a, a poker game, it might not be as obvious as the study was, but they would be able to pick up on if someone is trying to be deceptive, I guess. Now, in terms of like if the person is lying to them, I want to see if they could like pick up on on the tone So once again, there's another study, (laughs) lots of studies, where they found that just like humans, so humans, they process, they're able to process intonation and spoken word, like the lexicon of words that you use, you're able to process them separately. So if someone is saying something like, I am happy, but they actually sound angry, we are able to process those separately and identify that they're not actually happy. Dogs have the same capability, so... If someone says something in, during the poker game, they'll be able to identify that they're lying. And then one final factor that's pretty important in poker is they need to be able to know if they have a good hand, because obviously that's important.
1: Yes. As a wise man once said, they have to know when to hold them and know when to fold them.
2: Yeah. So I looked into if dogs can actually count, and there was a 2013 study. This is the final study, I promised. <laughs> this is
0: the last study on dogs. After this, we were comp- we had no more new- no more need to learn anything else about dogs. We yeah. knew it all.
2: But the study in the study, they there's a there are like two bowls, and they were they filled the bowls with food, but they did it like one piece of food at a time in each one, um, and they did different amounts in both of the bowls in front of the dog. So the dog is watching them put the food in the bowls one at a time, theoretically, so that the dog could count how much was in each bowl. And then choose the one that has more food. But there was no consistency in the the bowl that the dog chose. There was consistency when there was no food in one and food in the other. Then the dog always chose one with food. But if there was more food in one than in the other, but there's food in both, then they kind of just chose whatever. So it's not looking good for our dogs. That They kind of concluded from that that dogs cannot count, which would be bad for our poker plane. But then... In the same study, they started like, to started change things around. They There are a lot of different controls that they're experimenting with. And eventually, they got to a new version of the experiment where they had two bowls again. Um, on top of the bowls, they had boxes with a number of shapes on them. So, uh, like, on one box, you might have two shapes on them. The other, you might have five. And the one that has five has the food. The one with two does not. And for this experiment, they got much more consistent results. The dog pretty consistently chose the one with more shapes. And what they concluded was that dogs are bad at what they call sequential processing, which is like one at a time. So you see one, and you see another, and you count those two separately. And then you like put together that there's two. They're bad at that. What they're good at is simultaneously processing, which is you see everything at once, and you can tell that that's more than the other one. So... That is lucky for us because playing cards have shapes on them, um, at least the ones from two to two to ten. So <laughs> they can they they'll be good with the two to ten cards. They'll probably not recognize the higher value cards, which might be an issue. They they could, they could
0: maybe recognize the faces. They could be like, oh, that's what the that's what the jack dude looks like.
2: Yeah, maybe. I mean, you could maybe have them memorize it. They won't recognize that it's like a higher i guess you could teach them that's a higher value maybe so I mean, yeah maybe that's that's how you'd do it and i guess you'd have to teach them that ace cuz ace looks like one to them but ace is actually very good so i don't know you got to teach that to humans too <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh yeah other than that they can deal with the cards like they can handle the cards they can bluff they can read their players uh and they can tell that they have a good hand so I think that they can actually play poker if we can uh, train them to do that.
0: I have one potential gap. Yes, what is that? Can a dog control its tail wagging if it
2: gets a good hand?
0: <laughs> is ooh, it going to be a good question? That is a good <laughs> is question. Is it going to
2: be given away? I mean, their tail's under the table, so...
1: <laughs> do, do we know if dogs also heat up when they get nervous? Because then they would have to start panting.
2: Mmm. Mm. Good a question as well. A
0: pretty big tail. It, it might go both ways, though. Because, like, you know...
2: Dogs can smell your sweat, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not look those up, but future episode. <laughs> I do like. I do like. I do like the idea of
0: just like the stone-faced dog, just like he's got he's got a, he's got a little hat covered half of his eyes, like real real dressed up for the poker night. Gets a good hand, like goes all in, and then just like you just hear thudding on your yeah, thudding against the chair, like just like. Thump, thump, thump,
2: thump. Yeah, you just got to make sure nothing's <laughs> around their tail to hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Then they won't know, because they can't <laughs> see the tail. It's under the table. So, anyway, Ben, what did you do?
1: So, I looked into dogs playing sports. Specifically, I looked into the Air Bud movie franchise. So, if you're not familiar with the Air Bud franchise, Air Bud was a 1997 family comedy about a basketball playing dog. The dog, Buddy, was originally owned by an alcoholic clown who loses him when the kennel falls out of his car. As I don't remember pounds. that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> man there is so apparently the start of this movie is this alcoholic clown like uses the dog because he can catch balls in its mouth and like the dog gets him in trouble at a birthday party he was doing and he gets fired so he gets angry and is driving buddy to the pound to like you know give him up for adoption at the pound when the kennel falls out of his car gets hit by the car being driven by the family of the main character who then like makes eye contact with the dog as it runs away because the cage is now open and then they move because his dad had just died. So the beginning is really a downer, honestly.
2: Jesus. I do not remember that at all.
1: Yeah. But then basically the dog finds him and they become friends and the dog can play basketball. And the kid is like on his middle school basketball team, which then start starts using the dog as, as their mascot. And then for like the halftime show. And then the dog doesn't actually play basketball with him until the state championship where they have injury trouble and get down to just four players left which is where we then get to the infamous line, ain't no rule saying a dog can't play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> which, by the way, I am 100% going to call bullshit on this whole thing, by the way, because although I'm sure there is not a rule specifically blocking dogs from playing basketball, it's a middle school basketball team. I'm pretty sure there's some kind of rule saying that all the players have to be middle school students. That seems like a reasonable rule.
2: Didn't we literally, in our like our NFL mascot football one didn't we say that there's no rule that these animals can play
1: yes i'm pretty sure yes we did anyway yes buddy joins the team during the state championship and they win the championship and yeah and that's that's Airbud. i would like to point out by the way air bud is not actually the first movie about an animal that plays a sport because there isn't technically a rule against it there is a 1976 movie called gus which is about a Yugoslavian mule who becomes a place kicker for a football team because he can kick a field goal from anywhere on the field. I am not making this up. This is an actual <laughs> movie.
2: <laughs> was, it any, was it popular? I, I don't
1: think so. I had never heard of it before. I will say the poster is wonderful. I'm I'm hoping Chris can put this in the YouTube version. Um, you can Google it if you're listening to the podcast. I just put it in our chat here as well. This is the poster for the movie. Uh, which is this cartoony mule being carried on the shoulders of these cartoony people. I don't know. It's it's something. <laughs> what an ass. There, there we go. There's the joke. But yeah, so that was not the only Airbud movie w- was not the original. There were four additional Airbud movies. There was Airbud Golden Receiver, where he plays football, Airbud World Pup, where he plays soccer, Airbud Seventh Inning Fetch, where he plays baseball, and Airbud Spikes Back, where he plays volleyball
0: volleyball seems a real tough sport for a dog it it does
1: it does we're gonna get to that don't worry
2: i think i only saw the basketball one and the soccer one
1: i definitely only saw the basketball one i i feel like i i I, like at blockbuster i i saw on the shelves the other ones at some point and never watched them wisely because apparently they were all bad including the first one let's be honest here
2: well i liked them as a kid
1: there is also an Air Bud cinematic universe, the ABCU, which is there is the Air Buddies series, which is during Airbud World Pup, Buddy has puppies with a, another dog named Molly. Uh, they have six puppies: Rosebud, Butter, Butterball, M- Mud. Oh God, what are the ones? I did I type on this or is that actually its name? Hold on, wait. <laughs> <What> <laughs> That's I a good you, sign. <laughs> wait. M- no, Mud Bud. I, I've definitely typoed that. Mud Bud and B-Dog. What did who, you
2: typo it as?
1: Uh, <laughs> Mud Mudbud, which is the Welsh version, I'm sure. <laughs> and B-Dog, who, yes, is the rapping one. There is one that raps, who loves hip hop and wears a platinum chain with a B on it around his neck. So there are seven of those. Air Buddies, Snow Buddies, Space Buddies, Santa Buddies, Spooky Buddies, Treasure Buddies, and Super Buddies. And none of them do they actually play sports. So we're going to ignore them, but they do exist. Technically, you can also make the claim that there is the Airbud Extended Cinematic Universe, or AVECU, which the Airbud franchise is created by a company called Airbud Entertainment, who makes a variety of animal focused movies. Um, in addition to the Airbud and Buddies movies, there are also 11 more movies. There's the MVP franchise, which is MVP Most Valuable Primate, which is a hockey playing ape, MP2 Most Vertical Primate, which is about a skateboarding ape. <laughs> MXP most extreme primate, which is about a snowboarding ape. Those are all the same ape, but then there's also a spy mate, which is a different ape who is a super spy. And these are like officially part of the Airbud franchise? I could not get a they are produced by Airbud Entertainment. I could not get a clean answer on if they are canonically in the same universe or not.
0: You gotta wait. You gotta wait for the. You gotta wait for the plot where they all come together. Yeah. You got. You got uh, You got Doctor Strange. That's gotta come. I need airbutt an and find all anymore. the AirPods. Yeah. Exactly. You guys, we have, <laughs> The U.S. is going to the Olympics next week, and all the players are injured. <laughs> they all got hit by crazy clowns, and their dads are
1: all dead. <laughs> and there's a few more. There's like one where a duke leaves, like writes his nephew out of the will and turns everything to his dog instead. Um, there's one where a young girl and her brother befriended talking money who is struggling to be taken seriously as an actor, which I don't know. Uh, and there's four separate movies about a televised dog singing, comp- singing competition called Pup Star, which looks like the voice, but with dogs, including all the hosts being dogs. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot going on here, but we've kind of lost the plot here. Let's get back to what's important, which is which of these sports would a team of trained dogs actually be good at? I want to make it clear that I do not expect that any of these are actually going to be like pro-level teams my goal here is just to get to the point where we could have like a harlem globe globetrotters traveling show where they can play against you know like a local team or something and technically play the sport right like that's kind of the, the aim here we're gonna go through first the original airbud sports in order of how bad dogs would be at them baseball feels like a clear clear dogs cannot play baseball dogs cannot throw or bat it's not possible really good at catching though or at least Chasing the Great ball. Great <laughs> at catching the ball, probably. That's as much as they can do, though. So baseball, right out. Just not going to work. Basketball, also a no. Yes, technically, I do think that basketball is the one that the dog legitimately did in the movies. But all it really does is kind of just bounce the ball into the hoop with his nose, which is impressive. Definitely. Don't get me wrong. Would that work, though? Would that not hurt the dog? I think he could do it. I think they may have used, like, a slightly softer ball. I don't think it was directly off the front of his nose. It was kind of off, like like his forehead nose like bridge area i don't know but he did actually do that that was legitimately a dog hitting a ball into a basketball what
2: i remember it as bad cgi <laughs> there's definitely parts of it that are are somewhat faked but i mean cgi wasn't that good back then <laughs> i it think was you'd like be able to tell the cgi
1: 97 was two years before the matrix that's not you know it wasn't like a cg dog
2: or a full dog
1: well, no, okay, the dog wouldn't, they would like, the ball would be CG, it wouldn't be the dog. The dog would oh, be yeah. there. Okay.
2: Yeah. I guess that's the smarter way to go. Right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to say that dogs can also not play basketball. They can't dribble, they can't, like, defend at all, definitely. It's just basketball, non-starter. Volleyball, we can get close. I think that dogs could definitely set a, a, a basketball, or not a basketball, a volleyball, but unfortunately a dog could not spike a volleyball. Volleyball nets are seven feet, 11 and five eighths inches tall. And according to Guinness World Records, the highest recorded dog jump was six feet, three and a half inches. So I think that technically dogs could quote unquote play volleyball, but they would be very, very bad at it because they kind of just set the ball back over. I also don't think they could serve. I will say if you could have like one human who serves and then runs up, runs up to be able to, able to spike, that might work surprisingly well. Because I do think dogs could set the ball pretty well. That I can buy.
0: What if, what if the one person has all the dogs, it wouldn't be necessary, but have all the dogs on a leash? I was thinking that and it would be hilarious. Yes. <laughs> Big dog walker and then just the leashes get gradually tangled as the points yeah, go on. It would be
1: wonderful. To the point where we, I think we could actually kind of say the dogs could play the sport on their own, actually football. They still cannot throw the ball, which is not ideal, but it is possible to run an offense that doesn't throw the ball. Uh, it's pretty common in high school because high school players suck. And in college, actually, the the Armed Forces Academy teams, so Army, Navy, and Air Force, they are like famously barely throw the ball. In the 21-22 college football season, all three of those teams averaged nine or fewer passes per game, and they just would run the ball like 50 times. That's just what they do. So technically, you could have a dog-based offense that is just all running the ball. In terms of like blocking and whatnot, uh, the largest dog breed, as far as I can tell, is the English Mastiff, which can weigh about two hundred and thirty pounds. So I do think you could legitimately have like a dog offensive line slash defensive line that would work reasonably well.
0: Yeah, I feel like two hundred thirty pounds of dog is a lot. of It's a more lot of dog. thirty pounds yeah, of human <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, you know, so very very heavily run based offense, pass defense, very hard because as previously mentioned, dogs jumping about six feet, so. That part's going to be pretty rough, but you could technically have a, a dog football team that I would be okay saying that they can play football. That one is fair. Um, I do think that the sport of these are the dogs who play the best would probably be soccer because the most important rule of soccer is that you can't use your hands and dogs don't have hands. <laughs> so they're really just ahead of the game there.
2: Can they use their mouth? But um, Is there any rule against using your mouth?
1: Probably
0: not. <laughs>
2: Ain't no rule that says you can't use your mouth. <laughs>
0: um, it's right here next to... It's written right here next to... There ain't no rule about dogs not playing soccer. Yeah. That's
1: actually in here, Weird. It's actually in here. Don't know why. None of the other sports say it, but soccer... It's It's usually hard to yeah. prove a negative, but there it is. It's right there. Goalie would be a little bit tough because similar problem. The crossbar is eight feet off the ground, so there would be a like two-ish foot gap where the ball could slip through without being touchable by a dog. But... I mean, we're not going to be able to do everything, guys. Like, that's going to be as good as we can get, I think, in terms of the Airbud sports. It's, it's a soccer-playing dog team. In terms of non airbud sports that, that weren't covered, I'd say that anything like track or something is clearly a cop-out. I'm not going to try to BS you with that. That's not, no, that's not good. I consider it ultimate frisbee. Clearly, dogs are good at catching frisbees. That is a, you know, known thing with dogs. But sadly, dogs cannot throw frisbees. I did find two YouTube videos that attested that a dog could throw a frisbee. Uh, one of them was not a frisbee; it was one of those like foam ring things where it's like just like you know maybe a two-inch like strip of foam that's like a circle and then hollow in the middle.
0: Oh yeah, or or like the like the ones that like fold up real
1: small. Yeah, you get, exactly. Like, gift, gift bags or whatever. It was kind of like tossing that up in the air, but that's not that's not throwing a frisbee. Uh, and the other one was clearly a video of a dog that was catching a frisbee that had been reversed. So (laughs) dogs cannot throw Frisbees. Dogs cannot play ultimate Frisbee. I was hoping that would be an answer, but no.
0: I love the idea of like, like like a midair catch being reversed. I'm like, yeah, 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 this dog throws Frisbee. It seriously was. was, It was
1: like the dog jumping straight up in the air. And then, and then, just like the Frisbee, like flying out of its mouth. And it's like, (laughs) no. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was a joke because the, it ended with a man catching the frisbee in his mouth. So I don't think it was trying to be serious, but it was called dog throwing frisbee, please share. Wait, how'd that man throw it with his mouth then? Very <laughs> impressive. it was reversed.
2: That's actually pretty impressive, catching a frisbee in your mouth as a person.
1: Yeah, I imagine there were a, a, very, a very good like, like you know, blooper reel on that one that sadly was not sure. <laughs> was Is, would there be, I mean, how many chances do you get at that before you have incredible dentist bills? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Regardless, the one sport that I could legitimately uh, see a team of dogs being able to perform pretty well at, and I'm bringing it back, it's curling. It is <laughs> curling. All you got to do in curling is slide a thing. You can hold the, um, the handle of the stone in the dog's mouth and you know, do a little little twist on it to get it to curl. And then you just got to hold the brooms in your mouth and, and sweep. Dogs can do that. Dogs can run on ice very easily. It works. Dogs get 100% curl. So, if you have to stick to airbud sports, your dog to play soccer. If you don't, I think you could have a curling dog team
2: or diving.
1: Okay, I, that falls under the same category as like <laughs> like track or something. Like if it's something where it's just having a body is the only qualification. Yes, a dog <laughs> can do that. Dogs have bodies. Anyway, point being, Marcus, what did you do?
0: So I, I missed the memo of just of just proving dog movies or pop culture <laughs> dog references real. So. What I like to do with these is kind of just go into researching cool things that the animals can do and then finding one that I'm like, what? And kind of going from there. So so the obvious one for dogs is their sense of smell. They're very good at smelling. Uh, and I was like, well, let me, let me look what else I can find. And then I couldn't find like anything else, which is kind of surprising. There's so many breeds of dogs, but all I could find for like impressive dog feats and cool dog facts was like either them smelling things well or like them learning to do something impressive and so the latter half doesn't really apply and the first half is smelling and then i was looking at the things that dogs can smell and it is wild like dumb wild like so like obviously they use dogs for they have drug sniffing dogs like dogs can smell drugs from a good distance pretty accurately you know that's a pretty common use dogs can also smell bed bugs They've trained dogs to do that. Dogs can also smell early stage early stage lung and breast cancer. They can smell ovulation and pregnancy. They can smell diabetes and can actually smell changes in someone with diabetes glucose levels based on their breath. They've trained dogs to sniff out human remains and the dogs like are digging up stuff for like archaeologists like 3000-year-old human remains. Farmers they'll use dogs to sniff out which cows are fertile. And there's even a dog that is trained to smell out whale poops for a, uh, a group of whale researchers. And they can smell it from up to 1.6 miles away, they can find whale poop,
2: uh, just from the boat. Is the poop... Oh, so I can smell it through the water?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if... I, I, I didn't see uh, if, if the whale poop, like, floats, or if it sinks. I would assume that it floats, right?
2: Why would you assume that?
0: I don't
1: know. <laughs> I actually honestly don't know, but I assume that it floats. <laughs> does.
0: Will poop float? Okay,
2: uh, it does it. float. Cool. Okay.
1: I assumed correctly,
0: but it wasn't known. Like it was a known issue for the for the whale conservationists because they're like, well, we usually find whales by looking for the poop, but it's kind of hard to find. Um, but the dog can do it for them, and pretty amazing and relevant to today. So the do- dogs actually have the ability to to specifically sniff out coronavirus, which is pretty amazing. Can they sniff out? Like, is it
1: like literally just coronavirus? I mean, I guess you said like cancers and things, but like, are there other viruses
0: they have been trained to sniff out or?
2: Yeah, like, well, you get a false positive if they have other things.
0: So they're act. They're, so they've done studies. So it's, it was kind of tough to tell. So they've done studies where dogs can, like, the dogs can detect it and smell it out. Of course, it's not 100% perfect. But I believe it's specific to coronavirus. I'm not sure if, like, fl- adjacent flu viruses are included, but I believe it's specific to the coronavirus, like, in an impressive way. Like That's really interesting. Yeah, so they're actually, tra- like, like I said, they're actually actively training up, like, some dogs to do that, and they would actually go in airports, like, the drug-sniffing dogs, and, uh, you know, try and find people infected at the airport, which would be kind of actually just wild, where, like, you know... You ever feel weirdly guilty, like, when the, when the drug-sniffing dog comes by at the airport? Like, you're just waiting in line, and you just see this dog sitting by, like, oh, shit, oh, shit, better be my best behavior. Like, you don't have drugs.
1: I still, I still love the idea that, like, a dog comes up to you and, like, looks at you and, like, looks back at a man, and the man's like, excuse me, sir, this dog says you're sick.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, like I, d- I know I don't have drugs, and I still feel slightly uncomfortable. I don't know forever for sure if I don't have coronavirus, so that's going to be, like, very stressful that walk down that line, but it would be great. So the dogs can, dogs can do all these amazing things, but the only thing is that it's tricky to train dogs to do them. Dogs are pretty smart and of course they can be trained, but generally it's really only effective to train them on like one or two main scents. But if we can perfectly train the dogs, it opens up the option to really have a dog be sensing all sorts of things. So if a dog can be trained on all these scents very easily, it makes them really handy. And my first instinct was just like to train like super dog nurses that would just like go around and smell out all these different diseases and do these things. But then I started thinking bigger because I think we could use dogs to help just end the pandemic. That's what we're gonna do with these dogs. And we're gonna do this via via dog surveys is what I'm gonna call them. The idea is we have 76.8 million dogs in the US. Let's say a dog, if it's walking kind of in a straight line, can sniff out the important things within an area of 50 feet within itself. Given that this dog can smell whale poop for miles 50 feet seems like a pretty reasonable range for like a slow like a slow search like this. The United States as a whole is effectively, or if, if you round it out to a rectangle, is about 1,200 miles top to bottom. So to create a line 50 feet apart from the top of the U.S. to the bottom, it would take 126,720 dogs. There's 76.8 million dogs in the U.S. If we get all of them, if we have a, if we have a national dog day, where all the dogs come in. I guess, <laughs> I've been, I haven't talked, talked about i will just be training 76.8 million dogs, even by magic. But if we have 126,000 dogs per line, we can get 606 lines spanning across the country, which means each dog on dog day would need to cover an area 50 feet in width and 4.15 miles long.
2: That's pretty reasonable. International dog day, by the way, is August 26th.
0: That's when it Perfect would be. Day no, that'd, for be a ter- it. that'd be a bad. That'd be a bad day to do. It's gonna be really, really hot. <laughs> <laughs> like, we got. If I'm gonna expect a dog, like these, some of these dogs are gonna be like in New Mexico somewhere. <laughs> let's let's do it in the like in the early spring or something. So, what you can do is you just have these dogs that go and. They're trained enough to be able to pick up on whatever whatever the major stuff is. Like, so let's start with the coronavirus. Like, the dog goes and it sniffs the people it comes across. And if you've got coronavirus, it, like, will know to either, like, you know, there'll be, there'll be a signal or, like, a little card or something it can give you, I guess. Like, it just hands you, like, <laughs> a little pa- – like, it's just got a little chest packet of pamphlets and just kind of grabs one out and, like, hands it to you. It's like, hey, I smell you have coronavirus. What's next? And – I mean, dogs, you also got dogs that can be hurting animals. You know, the dogs could also enforce quarantine if people didn't ignore the pamphlets. <laughs> so that's all good. And that's all good. And it'll, it'll be helping to, like early diagnostics for lots of all of lots of different things. But that doesn't necessarily make me rich. I mean, I could cash in on that. But let's let's say we're doing that out of the goodness of our hearts. Because so, th- there's one other thing that I want to use with um, the dogs. And that is while they're on this while they're on this dog survey, they just pick up loose change. So I wanted to see kind of how many coins are lost each year. Because if you just had a dog that went by, because like, they can smell out. Um, I saw a couple of videos of, dogs tra- of a guy training dogs to pick up like silver coins or this, or the other thing. So no one has bothered to train a dog to f- go find pennies, but it wouldn't be a hassle to do these dogs. It would just be that easy. It would just be one of the, you know, dozen or so cents that they know. So as far as an estimate about how many coins are lost and loose around the country. The Coinstar didn't estimate because, and I'm going to trust their estimate because they they have the most motivation to figure out how many freaking loose coins around the country for their business model because they're the ones that cash them in for actual money. Coinstar estimates that there is $10 billion across the US that is lost as, you know, quote unquote, couch change. That is just like money that is ignored, dropped, lost, just literally out of circulation money that you can just go and, pick up. And even if nine out of 10 of these coins are in a, you know, are in people's actual couches in their homes and loose drawers, because that's where most of my loose changes, I believe, that's still a billion dollars on your first survey going across the country. There's a company, Corvana, they're a trash company. They got into the research a little bit because they actually will, will point out money from trash they collect because they, they use magnets on the trash like scrap metal and things like that. And they say they pick up about, you know, an average of 25 cents per ton of garbage, which isn't selling like much, but they, they estimated that there are $62.8 million in coins lost each year that are like actually like dropped out in trash and like outside. And then, kind of, one of the other crazier estimates is that the US Mint estimates that 70% of all pennies fall out of circulation. So they produced for example, $4.17 billion in new pennies in 2014, and they expect 70% of those to be lost.
2: So those penny-rolling machines.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> I can just trash them at a coin store. I just kind of deal with them. Yeah, <laughs> their, their business model is going to need a look-see after I, I take all the spare change out of the world. Well, so
2: you're not going to use them to cash your
0: money? Well, once you have that kind of clout, you can just, like... You know, you work out a deal. You don't just go have the dogs go to the machine. I guess you could have the dogs go to the machines. That might even be the quickest way to do it.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're not going to count all this change yourself. Oh, no, no, no. But I I might say, hey, Coinstar. Dogs can't count. I
0: have, (laughs) I have, I have, have, you know, 3,500 metric tons of coins for you.
1: They'll cut me a good deal. (laughs) (laughs) They have nearly 20,000 kiosks worldwide. Wow. Apparently 90% of the US population lives within five miles of one. That's an actually insane
0: stat. I wonder if that's skewed by the ridiculous percentage of human population that live in cities that's compared to not cities. That's probably true. Yeah, but but anyway, that's kind of my plan. Is you can have these 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 super good dog surveys that will save save us from the pandemic. We're going to end the coronavirus. We're going to you know let people know who's who and who isn't pregnant. We're going to find all this early stage cancer. We'll we can get rid of bed bugs on the way. We can check if there's any whales lying around in Colorado too. But uh. We're going to do all that and we're going to do all that for free and then me personally I'm gonna cash on and become an overnight billionaire on the money that is just would have otherwise just been
2: lost and not used so it's all
0: upside everything's upside
2: with your special dog radio that can communicate with every dog at once
0: Well the thing is I just <laughs> got to meet every I just have to meet every dog once because once I train them I just train them to go oh, and no, do this true. on a specific day so yeah it'll be up to the population to bring me their dog so again maybe I only half or maybe a tenth of the people bring me their dog to train them for dog day. But even then, like, if it goes from four miles of walking to 40 miles of walking, it could be dog week. It could just be, you know, the numbers are pretty reasonable after all that.
1: Could you train a dog to train a dog? Because then you could could train dogs (laughs) to go out and train all the dogs.
0: Yeah, we haven't, we haven't talked about training them to train each other. Oh, this that's... Is, this
1: is getting into a, um, what's the, what's the Fantasia thing with the... Um, with
2: the brooms. The brooms, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that seems dangerous. It seems dangerous, but I kind of like it. So, yeah, that's my, that's my, well, I could do that instead if anyone wants to call me out on people not willing to send their dogs over for the beautiful dog day.
1: And then you train a subset to bring coins to central locations where other dogs you have trained will bring the coins to you. They don't have to go anywhere. The dogs bring it all to you.
2: And then eventually they're going to realize they don't need you and that they're going to abandon you and take over.
0: Well, that's why you that's why you have the kill code where you train the dogs that if if this this contract gets rip, if you see this contract get ripped up, I blow my special <laughs> dog whistle and then uh, <laughs> the dogs are trained to to overthrow the government. <laughs> so, yeah, you got to you got you got to put in your uh, your own safety nets there. <laughs> so, I guess yeah, not not I that's the the dark side of me (laughs) training every single dog is i yeah i'm gonna save diseases fix coronavirus get rich without anyone giving me a dime that they didn't already not have and also
2: looming threat of world takeover yay (laughs) on dog day on august 26th, get ready for it no it's got it's it's like it's gonna be like april 4th okay april 4th (laughs) get ready for it
0: (laughs) april 4th get ready 4 four all right, with that, we got, we got to move on before this gets any darker. Um, we'll hop over into our would-you-rather question. Chris, are you ready for a would-you-rather? I am ready. Would you rather always type or always write by hand?
2: Um, my instinct, without really thinking about it, is always type, because that's way easier. And I, I feel like I type way more often than I handwrite in general. I do handwrite things for my job a lot, though.
1: I think you're also, you might get in trouble with, like, legal documents.
2: You can electronically sign things. There's going to be a lot
0: of awkward times where someone asks you to, like, sign something or write something. Or you're playing a game or, like, showing a kid how to write or something. And they're like, hey, can you write this for me? Or, hey, just write your name here. And you're like... Uh, actually, can you, uh, email that to me? (laughs) I really can't. Ah, no, I just, I just can't. I mean,
2: that's not that big of a deal. You always have your phone with you. I think having to handwrite everything would be a big deal. Does this eliminate, does this, does this eliminate voice to text? I think so. Because that doesn't count as typing. You have to type everything. Or you have to handwrite everything.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that.
2: So I guess does, like, writing something on your phone, does that count as typing?
1: I would say yes, but if you use one of those things where you can, like, trace the letter and it turns it into the, the letter, that you can do, which is very Oh, annoying. one of those notepad things. Like a notepad thing, exactly, yeah. Those are pretty good. Yeah, it's annoying, but it, it at least still lets you, like, use a phone.
2: Oh, so you're saying that counts as I would say that counts
1: as handwriting, yeah. Okay. If you, are, if you are tracing the shape of
0: the letters and whatnot, that
1: counts as handwriting to me, yeah? Yeah,
0: I'm, a, I'm in agreement there. I'm trying, I'm trying to think, I'm, I'm having trouble thinking of a specific example where handwriting is important. Like, signing documents, I see it as important. Like, w- f- with kids, I feel it's important.
2: Also, just like, going out to eat. You pay with a credit card. I mean, a lot of places you sign electronically now, even with restaurants.
1: I wouldn't say a lot of places. Yeah,
2: there I would say some less places. Than, I more often write, sign a check. Uh, not check, a uh, uh, receipt. Oh, I guess we're saying it's only you and it's not like a society thing. So it's not like... Right, yeah, it's yeah. Only, yeah, it's only yeah, It's only you. Okay.
1: Like, I don't think there's anything that you really get... Ho- like, the things you get hosed on in terms of not being able to type are things like... I don't know. You can't, like, use an ATM. That's pretty annoying. But I don't think there's anything you're blocked from doing. Not being able to type.
2: I mean, like, anything... Well, <laughs> yeah, anything work-related... <laughs>
0: It's Pretty bad, yeah. Okay, so that's not great. Well, the thing is, you like you also would could you know reasonably find a job that involves less typing. I mean, in, at least in my field, yeah. There, I mean, there are
1: jobs you can find, like it may, it may require a career change, but you could find a job. God, I really hate
0: handwriting stuff, but <laughs> see, I don't know for me. For me, it's like the social pressure, like the I, I really dislike the social pressures not being able to handwrite, where it's like not easily explained, even if people be- like even if you could e- explain your circumstance, it's like really inconvenient sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of all the reasons, all the times it would be, but I can like think of ones where like, I really would rather not lose that ability. And I wouldn't mind handwriting. Like, I think if you handwrite more often, you get better and faster at it. Mm -hmm. Also, I think it's like a, it's like an endearing quirk to like send hand, like if, you know, I had a work email, for example, you know, I could use a type, a hand type touch. But like, imagine like you like handwrite your emails to people and scan them in and send them.
2: I would think that person is really weird and not, I don't think that I would think it was quirky. I would be more annoyed. I would, I might find it
1: quirky. I would not find someone who refuses to ever handwrite anything quirky. I would find that incredibly annoying.
2: I would probably just interpret it as they don't know how to use technology. Yeah, I wouldn't, again, neither, of course, neither of these are perfect. Having both abilities is best. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I can't shake, I can't shake the gut feeling though. Like typing is, I type 90%, 95% of what I do. But I think the five percent that I do do with handwriting, ha. Um, I said do do. Um,
2: <laughs> professional podcaster here. Hello. I've trained myself to ignore when people say do do.
1: <laughs> I will never. I refuse to ever do that.
0: <laughs> anyway, I can't. I can't shake the gut feeling, so I'm gonna have to go with handwriting. I, I I'd like to be able to handwrite and not type.
2: Really?
1: I think I agree with you as well. As annoying as it would be, I yeah.
2: I disagree. I think I i mean, just like Marcus, 95% of what I do is type or what I write is type instead of handwritten. And like the only case that I can think of where I'd have to handwrite something is signing something for like a credit card or something like that. But I can just use cash. Like I don't need to use a credit card.
0: Actually, Chris, you're in a you're in a bad spot because you write books. So handwriting a book sucks. Yeah, like
2: handwriting long things sucks. But also, if you become
0: a successful author, if you become a successful author, you gotta sign them.
2: And you can you don't have to handwrite your signature.
0: I mean, it's gonna. Kinda... <laughs> yeah, you
1: kind of do. If, if I ordered a signed book and it has like an ink stamp that says like "Hi, I'm Blake, Hope you like the book," I'm gonna be pretty pissed off. Well, I'm never going to get to that point if I
2: can only handwrite, I think, so.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough, yeah. All right, with that, we go on to the bit of the episode where I ask you guys for stuff. You, the listener, the one listening to this podcast right now. Perk up, ears up, listen, this is the important bit. Important stuff. Send us questions. We need more questions. We finally did a dog question. That's it, we're out of animals now. We need, we need more stuff. <laughs> so think of your cool hypothetical question that you happen to think of while you're listening to this episode that's semi-related but not quite. Put it in an email, put it in the YouTube comments is the easiest way if you're listening on YouTube, or throw us an email, at gmail.com. very easy to remember, and just just send, it, just send your question as is, you know, absurd absurdhypotheticals question, here you go. Um, we'd love to get more of those, and very happy to incorporate listener questions on the show, and you'll be immortalized forever in this digital format of audio only, that doesn't involve typing or handwriting. Also, important thing to do, again, ears up. I don't know why I'm saying this a lot Years but up. ears up listen
2: <laughs> your dog ears up
0: <laughs> this is how you, this is how this is how you take your spare change and turn it into our spare change um as I've trained you to, so expertly to do go to www.patreon.com/absurdhypotheticals and become a patron for just $1 a month you become one of our absurd hypothetical pals and get access to all our bonus content specifically for our patrons that we release each month cool stuff there and if you're enjoying the show, of course, leave us a review, whatever platform you're listening on. If you're listening to on one of the podcast players, you just, there's review buttons right over there. I don't think YouTube has reviews. It's just got, it's just got likes and subscribes. So, you know, the, the things that all the other YouTubers tell you to do, pretend like I said those things. A like, subscribe, and a bell. Yeah, smash that bell Ring. is nope, what I nope. hear a lot. That's what they
1: do in Philadelphia. Ring the bell.
0: Well, whatever you want to do with your bell, that's up to you as long as you do it and it makes our numbers go up. <laughs> So thank you, listener, for doing those three things in that order. Now you are qualified and welcome to listen to our question that we'll be answering next week. And that question is, what if Greek mythology was real?